I think there's only really one appropriate way to begin a sermon this week, and that's with a quote from the late Aretha Franklin. Aretha says, sometimes what you're looking for is already there. And now we could do a whole sermon series on some of the wise statements and stances of Aretha, but this short quote is the perfect one for us this morning. Sometimes what you are looking for is already there. In so many ways, I feel as if this quote sums up the majority of our spiritual predicaments. We go looking all over the place for answers, looking all over the place for meaning and wholeness in our life when really the answer is right in front of us. We're going to be thinking about this spiritual problem a bit this morning as we look at the gospel reading I just shared before the children's sermon from John chapter 6. I have titled this sermon, Looking for Bread in All the Wrong Places. Please pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. I heard a story the other day about a new pastor who had just started at a church. And both the pastor and the congregation were really excited about this new relationship. They were really excited for what God had in store for the future of this church. And it took a few months for the pastor to move to town and get settled. And after what seemed like forever, he finally led his first service and preached his first sermon at the church. And it went really well. Everyone was happy and, again, really excited about this new pastor and the future direction of the congregation. But then on the pastor's second Sunday, a funny thing happened. The pastor got up and read the same scripture passage as he had the week before. And not many people noticed this at first, but then the pastor started off his sermon with the same joke as the week before. And as they started to pay more and more attention, they realized that the pastor was giving the exact same sermon as the week before. And now, this was one of those really quiet, extra polite type of churches where no one really said anything. They didn't want to make the pastor feel uncomfortable, but many of the parishioners were whispering to one another during the coffee hour that week. And then a week went by, and the next Sunday rolled around, and the same thing happened. The pastor got up and read the same scripture as the previous two weeks and gave the same sermon as the previous two weeks. And now there were audible gasps in the congregation and loud grumbling during the sermon. And then during coffee hour, no one really bothered to hide their displeasure. But still, no one ever said anything directly to the pastor. And so a group of deacons from the church got together and started talking and they decided that something had to be done. And so they went directly to the bishop. That Monday, five deacons marched into the bishop's office and let her know what their new pastor had been doing the past three weeks. And the bishop listened carefully and then asked, what was the sermon about? And there was a long pause and the deacons all kind of looked at each other and a few stammered out, Jesus, grace. And then the bishop interrupted and said, why don't you go back to your church and listen to that sermon one more week? Now, I start with this story this morning 
because we might find ourselves in a similar situation today. If you've been paying attention, you might have noticed that the gospel reading these past three weeks has been nearly identical. Every single week, Jesus has said, I am the bread of life, and then gone on to add some more details to that phrase. Last week, this is what Jesus said. The week before that, this is what Jesus said. And spoiler alert, next week, Jesus is going to say it again. I am the bread of life, the living bread of heaven that has come down to earth. Why does Jesus keep repeating himself? He's giving the same sermon week after week after week. It's because these words, this idea, it's really important. We need to hear Jesus shared this truth with us four times in a row because there's so much tied up in that simple phrase. We need to hear these words and know them deep within our souls. And one of the best ways to do that is through repetition. Jesus is the bread of life. And this matters to us because, well, food matters to us. Food is essential for our life. We sit down and eat three times a day. Well, For me, it's more like four or five, but we need to refuel our bodies. But it goes so far beyond that. Food isn't just important to our physical wellness. When we eat affects our emotional well-being, our psychological well-being, even our spiritual health is connected to food. Why do you think every religion in the world has rituals and traditions connected to eating and sharing meals together? It's because humans have known inherently within themselves that there is something deeply spiritual about food. When your car is out of gas and you fill up the tank and then keep driving, that's one way of refueling. But food is so much more than filling up our tank. What we eat, how we eat, who we eat with, it affects nearly every aspect of our health. And so when Jesus says that he is food... That he is the bread of life and that we are to eat his body and drink his blood. Jesus is making a huge claim. Jesus doesn't just want to be the source of our spiritual well-being. Jesus wants to be the source of our physical and emotional and psychological and relational well-being too. Jesus is the bread of life and that means that Jesus is inviting us to find wholeness in him. But the problem... The age-old problem reformation is that we are always looking for wholeness somewhere else. The famous philosopher Pascal once said that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person, and it can only be filled by God made known through Jesus Christ. And this church, this is why we needed Jesus to tell us again and again, week after week, that he is the bread of life. Because we forget. We get distracted. We go looking for bread and wholeness somewhere else. You've probably got something on your mind right now that you think will make you happy. Something that you've been struggling with. Something that you've been working towards. Some goal, some dream. Something you're looking forward to. And you keep telling yourself that once you get to that checkpoint, then you'll finally be complete. For me, right now, it's improvements around my house. 
We've got to get the backyard figured out. We've got to get the front porch fixed up and the kitchen on par. And then I know once all that happens, I'll finally be happy and settled. See, there's nothing wrong with having plans or desires like this. I'm sure that many of the goals you're thinking about right now are really good, genuine ideas. They're probably far more altruistic than my desire for home improvements, truth be told. But the thing is that all of these pursuits, even if we complete them, will in the end still be left feeling empty. None of these goals, pursuits, or dreams can fill the God-shaped vacuum that lives in all our hearts. Because, church, these pursuits, they're the wrong kind of bread. Only the bread of life, only the living bread come down from heaven, only God made known through Jesus Christ can fill the vacuum in our heart. But here's the other really interesting thing, church. It isn't just that this happens on an individual level, right? We all have goals, we all have pursuits and dreams, things we're hoping for. But it's not just the individual, it's also entire churches that go looking for the wrong bread. Let me explain. For example, it's all too common to see a church community that emphasizes the rules and commandments and the laws of God. Now, of course, this is still bread. The commandments are important and they help us live in this world. But if you think that a relationship with God is just about following the rules, then you'll never feel whole. You're going to be left feeling anxious and ashamed. And I know of other churches that love to put all the focus on theology, on knowing exactly how all the pieces fit together. And they spend so much time teaching and thinking and trying to understand God fully. And yeah, theology is good bread that can feed you. But if you think that your relationship with God is all about having complicated ideas and proofs for God's existence, then you'll never feel whole. You'll just be left with a stack of books and a headache. And of course, there are other church communities that put all their focus on being active in the world. They show up at protests and they work with their Congress people and they write to their representatives and they encourage people to get involved and educated on the issues. And that's really good and really important bread. But if that's all you think your relationship with God is about, then you'll never be whole. In the end, all of your activism will just leave you feeling burned out and hopeless. Now notice, there is lots of bread out there that's perfectly fine in moderation, right? Like the doctor says. Activism, theology, purity, it's all important, but none of this is the bread that has come down from heaven. And so none of these things should become the sole focus of our faith. We are looking for bread in all the wrong places, when in reality the living bread that has come down from heaven is right in front of us each and every day. But here's the thing, Reformation. Jesus wants to be the savior of your whole life. Not just your savior on Sunday mornings. Not just your savior on Christmas and Easter. Jesus doesn't just want to make you feel warm and fuzzy for a few minutes when you read your Bible in the morning. Jesus wants to nourish every area of your life. 
your career, your social life, your emotional health, your hobbies, your family. Jesus wants to be a part of all of it. And Jesus wants to make each of these areas more whole and more complete than you could have ever imagined. Stop looking for bread somewhere else. Stop thinking that this fad or that cause or this app or that book will be the thing that fixes the hole in your heart. Instead, let Jesus' message of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness be the guide for every part of your life. What if rather than trying to perfectly follow all the rules, you just accepted that Jesus loves and forgives you no matter what? What if rather than trying to perfectly figure out how God works, you just accepted the power and beauty found in the mystery of God? What if rather than trying to fix every problem in our country and in our world, you just did what you could and then trusted in God's promise to one day repair all of creation? Jesus, the living bread, has come down from heaven And he wants nothing more than to transform you into the most whole and complete version of yourself. I began the sermon with a quote from Aretha Franklin, who, as you know, passed away this week. But I'd like to close with a quote from another great person who passed away just yesterday. These are the words of Kofi Annan, the former Secretary General of the United Nations. Annan says, We need to keep hope alive and strive to do better. I've made all of this sound pretty simple and cut and dry here this morning. Just keep Jesus at the center of your life. But the truth is, we're going to make mistakes on this journey of faith. Sometimes it'll be intentional, and sometimes we'll just accidentally go looking for bread in all the wrong places. But the truth is that Christ forgives us when we falter, and Christ tells us again that 